Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Well, that's it. Well, today, as I mentioned, we're going to have our ordination service. And if you're visiting with us today, you're being a part of a family event. It was years ago that I was ordained into the ministry, and um, it was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I had been ordained, and it was, it's a very meaningful opportunity and experience for you. When I graduated from college, you know, you can go anywhere and get ordained. You can go online and people will ordain you, and they'll ask you routine questions and you give them the expected answers. That's, a, that's my cynical view of how it works. But I really believe that not only should you sense the call of God upon your life, but that other people that have proven themselves in leadership should verify that call and bear witness to it. So I served the Lord in, in a church, and I served him for years. And then they recognized that the call of God was upon my life. Um, that's what we're doing today. We're recognizing people that have given themselves to the Lord for a very long time. We are all called in the body of Christ to be ministers. This is not a class distinction inside the church. This whole idea of lay people and, and um, ministers was not God's intention. We are all, as believers, ministers of the Lord and can be used effectively. There are some, though, that you can recognize and begin to notice that they cannot rest until they are spending their life serving ministry to the church, to the body of Christ, to the saints. And it seems as though they can do nothing else. When, when a person comes to me and says, I feel called into the ministry, I will tell them, and I can do with this, this with confidence, please try to do something else. <laughs> First off, you don't want to do it if you're not called. But secondly, if you can do something else, you're not called. If you can do something else, you should do something else. But when you do something else and you try something else, and no matter what, you know where you fit, you know where you belong, it's to the ministry of the body. But, and through that, we're all ministering to the world and sharing the gospel. And that's what we're recognizing today. We're going to recognize that there is an evidence and a call of God upon two people who have faithfully served the body of Christ. We want to recognize them by, by the laying on of hands. And we find out that that was practiced in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul did that with Timothy. And actually, he would tell Timothy throughout his ministry, stir up the gift and the call of God. Stir up what you received by the laying on of hands. Today is a laying on of hands for impartation. For the, uh, for the anointing for the work of the ministry. We are recognizing and acknowledging there's a lifelong calling upon these two, and it's a calling for the rest of their lives. It's not just the calling here at Cornerstone Christian Center, because someone could serve in that capacity, but we're actually believing, should Cornerstone ever cease to exist, that these two that we're recognizing today, uh, will, it will evidence that they are continuing to serve the Lord in that capacity. First off, I would like to, before he comes up, recognize Sal Lopez. He's very familiar to us all here in the church, and we love him very much. I met Sal, it might be eight years ago, when he first moved into the area. I had hoped that he would finally obey the Lord and come work for us, <laughs> and finally he did. And um, I knew that he had graduated from Bethel School of Ministry in Redding, California. I knew that he had gone through their mentorship program under the leaders there. And I knew that he had been um, raised up in character and calling as a man who was called to serve the Lord. 
And I also knew that, in his early, that he played a key role in the early development of Bethel's audio and video department, which, as you know, has gone around the world. Not only did he serve in this practical area, but he also had 11 years of experience in leadership and youth ministry, and we recognize that as well. Also recognizing that he has a strong sense of calling towards strengthening families, husbands and wives, and children to their parents. Um, I recognize also that Sal could be content doing another job, but not for very long. And he felt as though his greatest passion and desire, no matter what the provision for that would be, would be to serve in a local church, and he wouldn't feel complete until he actually had felt his life had made that full circle. We recognize the godliness of, of Hattie as well, and are called alongside of him, and she is a very godly woman, and, and um, we wouldn't have this moment for Sal if we didn't recognize her strength, her courage, her boldness, and her faith. Last December, actually, the elders first approached Sal and uh, through Pam and I meeting with them in their home to talk about their calling into ministry. And they prayerfully bore witness to the call upon their lives and upon this ho their household. It was just a few years ago, unbeknownst to us, a man came to our church and said, Pastor Jim, I feel like I'm supposed to provide um, video cameras for the church. And as you look at these that are on the back wall, all these that are posted in uh, are fixed in, and the, the wires were run down through the wall and through the basement, and the sound and video department was all created in computers. And a gentleman came to me, and he said to me, I would like to provide for, uh, for you to be able to hire Sal for the first year. And so Sal jumped on board. He got involved with some great volunteers, and, and um, Richard was very helpful and a very good crawl, crawl space man. Um, running all the wires and stuff. But that being said, it took us about a year to get everything ready, roughly. But on the week that they shut all the churches down around the world, Sal had just wrapped up everything, and it was ready to go. That's how we never missed a beat the very first Sunday we were, had our audio and video in place. It was really a great thing. And that, for me, it's a sign and a testament that, that um, the Lord is working in us, and the Lord was working in Sal as well. Sal, I just want to say in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him. And so, of course, I just want to also honor the most special person in my life, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, is my wife, Pam. And I just want to thank her for her faithfulness every step of the way. She has been committed and dedicated to the ministry as, as I have been all along. As many of you know, for the first um, 10 years here, she served in, in management and in the A&B Bank up in Aspen. But it was just a few years ago that she came on full-time here. And I felt, um, as I said before, I had always felt as though that godly men would recognize the call of God on my life. And I was hired by a church in Clearwater, Florida. And there I was ordained. And they flew me out to Fort Wayne, Indiana for that. Eventually, I became the pastor of Emmanuel Chapel. And I was ordained then when they received me as a pastor through Open Bible Churches. 
During that time, Pam was studying in-state. She studied for five years and graduated right before we moved out here to Colorado. She got the job at the bank. I was, came to the church, and hands were laid upon me to be the pastor of this church. When we arrived here at CCC, the elders received me, received both of us, and received us openly. And then Pam worked until just a few years ago outside the church and came on full-time here. I just want to say this to you. For those 10 years, Pam taught in-stay after she would manage the bank from we would, she'd get there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and she'd be done at 5. And every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, 16 weeks in the spring and 16 weeks in the fall, she was here every night till 9 o'clock with me, teaching women in stay. And um, she was really dedicated and committed the entire time. So I just acknowledge, Pam, I just want to say this. I know many pastors whose wives have broken their ministry. Pam is far from that. She's actually made it. And I just want to thank her so much. One of the highest qualities I believe that she has, just so that you all know, is that I don't hear her speak against any of you. Amen. She doesn't get involved in gossip. And she sees the best in all of you. And so if there's some bad behavior that I might recognize, it's not worth saying it to Pam, because she's never seen it. <laughs> She's been a loyal companion, a faithful prayer warrior, a teacher of the scriptures, a role model and leader in our church. She's been a self-sacrificing example of what it means to lay down your life for the body of Christ. In Romans chapter 16, verse 1, here's what the Apostle Paul said, I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, who was a servant of the church, which is at Sancria. Here we find the Apostle Paul wanting the church to recognize the position and the power and the authority exercised through a godly woman. That you, be served, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. Greet Priscilla and her husband Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles also greet the church that is in their home. So I think that it's very appropriate for you. If you have um, reservation about us ordaining a woman today, I would love to meet with you privately. But I want you to know today that the scriptures are full of godly women who stood first with Jesus Christ, secondly with the apostles, and we're very faithful to them. And the church could not have moved forward without the godly women who were established as an example. And the Apostle Paul commended them in the scriptures. If a woman can be commended in the scriptures, then God help churches that won't commend women on a Sunday morning in a church service. Amen. So I'm just so grateful for that and for that opportunity today. So let me read from 2 Timothy 2.15. And this is for Sal and this is for Pam. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Ephesians 4, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace. 
Remember, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried out about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or craftiness or in deceitful themes. So let me just remind all of us that the Apostle Paul once was stoned and he was dragged outside a city. Everyone thought that he was dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and he entered the city. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby, And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made a good number of disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had pointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they believed. So I just want to remind everybody today that in acknowledging Sal Lopez and the call of God and the hand of the Lord upon his life for ministry and recognizing Pan at the same time, we are a part of a 2,000-year-old tradition of God calling men and women to rise up, to, to call the body of Christ to the oneness of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and to, to maintain unity and to resist every kind of evil teaching that might come into the church. So as we're looking at that, first I'm going to invite Sal to come on up here with Hattie. And can I invite the elders to come up as well? And what I want to be able to do is to anoint them with oil. Oil is a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a means, if you would, by which we will mark them for the calling of God today. And I just want to say this, um, Sal, we're, we're really privileged to be able to work with you. And we're honored for this day to be a part of it. We want to say to you, Hattie, that he wouldn't be the man he is without you. And you stand in your own right of walking in obedience to the Lord. Thank you so much for being a godly and a faithful wife. And um, we honor you, and we love you and bless you. So I'm going to anoint you, Sal, with oil today for the calling of the work of the ministry. I'm going to anoint you and pray that God would pour out his spirit upon you like you've never experienced before. I'm going to pray that through you God would release his signs and wonders and that he would equip you to stand in a day like today in which we need godly men. Amen? So thank you, Lord Jesus. Your few elders want to lay hands on him, please. Pam, why don't you lay hands on Hattie here today? Father God, I thank you, O oh Lord, for the call of God on Sal's life that was evidenced not just by me, but that many have gone before us, O oh Lord, that invested in him and believed in him. And they trusted, O oh Lord God, they entrusted him to you. And I thank you, Lord God, that even before you made the worlds, that you knew this day would come, that you would raise him up to be a minister of the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you keep him always faithful and true to you. I pray that he'd never waver. I pray, Lord God, that you would let him be full of character, full of wisdom, full of purity, full of humility, God, and full of your power. 
I pray, Lord God, that you would anoint him, I ask in Jesus' name, that you would anoint him, Father, for the work of the ministry. I pray that you would bless them both, Lord God, because I know that the ministry will come upon their homes. It will come upon their home, Lord God. It will come upon their family. And I pray the hedge of protection of the Lord around you, that he is the one who's going to keep you. He will raise you up. I pray that through you, through both of you, there will be miracles and signs and wonders. I pray, even as according to the commandment of Jesus, that you would heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive freely, and I pray that you will always give freely. I pray that you would walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sal, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. He is your strength. You can't do it without him. So I pray that this very day you'll be marked, a marked man for the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing this day, and I bless you, Lord God. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi. We love you. Okay. Stay up here. Elders, could you back up a little bit? We're doing this because their whole family's in town to witness this great event. And so I want to invite all of the family members who'd like to come up and stand behind Hattie. Do you want to do that? Come on up here, because we can all do this. And we are going to dedicate Alex to the Lord. Amen. Excuse me a second here. This is not just a dedication of Alex to the Lord this morning, but it's also a dedication um, of Sal and Hattie, dedicating their homes and their lives to the Lord to raise Alex in the fear of the Lord. But I also want to encourage any family members that are here today, we can all be a part. A family is a great way to raise a child. Aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters, um, grandparents, all of you are involved. So I would like you to repeat this prayer with me, if you would, just a, a means of committing yourself to watch out for Alex and for his faith and, and what God's doing in him. So would you repeat these words with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Alex. Thank you for his life. We stand before you today as his family, and we dedicate ourselves as we dedicate Alex to you. We commit ourselves to love, encouragement, nourishment, and training. All these for Alex good. We commit ourselves to teach Alex the importance of salvation through Jesus Christ. We will pray for him. We will demonstrate a godly life we will teach him your word. Help us to honor your word, your church in our home. We will train and help him to understand the importance of our family. Give us grace to raise him. Cover our faults. Grow our family. May all of us stay faithful until we're all in heaven. Remember this day, Lord, all of Alex's life, in Jesus' name.
Amen. 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 Alex, can you come to me for just a moment? Look at all those people. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Father, I thank you for Alex. And I thank you, oh God, that you love him so much. And you have ordained him and called him to live for you. You chose him to be raised in a Christian home where he would be given the word of God and he would be prayed over and he would be loved. And Father God, I just pray for Alex. You're the only one who knows his future. And the days that you have given to him are written in your book. And I pray, Lord God, that all those days he would walk holy before you. Let him be set apart and different from the world. I pray that you would make him a man of prayer, a man who seeks the Lord. I pray that he'd be filled with the word of God. I pray that he'd be merciful to others and compassionate and kind. And I pray that he would fear the Lord all the days of his life. Let him be numbered among the great saints, Lord God, that gave all to live for you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that he would be prepared for every work that you have for him. Thank you for his good nature, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for his kindness. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless him and fill him with your spirit right now and keep him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good job. You did a good job. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love you all. God bless you. We prayed, didn't we? Yeah. Good. So, Pam, why don't you come here in the center? I know you love her, don't you, right? She's such a blessing to this church. Pam, I want to anoint you with oil as well. Here it is. You had no idea what you were getting into when you married me. <laughs> and it's been a journey. But thank you for standing by my side every step of the way. Thank you for the ins and outs that you were willing to be a part of and, and all those things. I just want to honor you and bless you today. So it's my privilege. It's my privilege to be a part of just acknowledging the call of God. Lord, you said he who finds a wife finds a good thing. I just want to thank you for Pam. I want to thank you, Lord God, for all the years of her faithfulness and her willingness, Lord God, to be spent and to spend for others. I thank you, Lord God, for the evidence of the call of God, the passion for the church. I thank you for her heart to pray. I thank you for the hours and hours that she's prayed for people. I've seen her in the middle of the night, Lord. I've seen her lifting up her heart and crying out before you, God. I've seen her carry every burden that the church has carried. And I thank you, Lord God, for her goodness and her faithfulness to you. I thank you, oh Lord God, for her, her nature and her character. I thank you, Lord God, that, that um, you help her to see the good in others. I, help her, I thank you, Lord God, that she hears a prophetic voice of God that she hears your voice and she has seen your will and called it out many times. Mm -hmm. 
I thank you, Lord God, for her godly counsel. I thank you, Lord God, more than anything, for her desire and passionate love for you, for you and you alone. I thank you, Lord God, for her heart, even with all these years, Lord God, for counseling, for leading women in ministry, Lord God, for being faithful, Lord God, day in and day out, changing locations, moving, Lord God, just changes. I thank you, Lord God, that she's remained steadfast. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just bless her and keep her. Lord God, let all of her days be in the service of the Lord. I thank you, Father. I pray you give her the desires of her heart. Mm -hmm. Pam, I pray that now, concerning the ordination and calling you to ministry, that you would receive a fresh anointing from the Lord, that you would receive a new call to intercession and to prayer. I pray that you would receive the Spirit of God for the gifts of the Spirit, new gifts flowing through you, the fruit of the Spirit in you. I pray for new strength, new wisdom, new life. Let, you, let, let, let all the days of your life be filled with ministry and service to the Lord and be strong in the Lord. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. Are you okay? Yeah. All right. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, everyone. Good. Well, kind of family business day, right? So, I have to... I have to be able to get through 45 minutes of sermon in just a few minutes. <laughs> so it won't be. You know, when we've seen so many people coming to Christ lately. On the very first week, I felt of this series just to call people to understanding the fullness of all that Christ has for them. I, so many of us feel as though we, we chose the Lord, but in that we missed the understanding that he called us. He called us. We were sovereignly called by God to be the children of God. God. God spoke into the orphanage of the world, and few have heard him. But he called you with a very powerful and effective call, just like the disciples. You're just like the followers of Christ. And he showed up one day, and they didn't expect it. And he said, come follow me. And they dropped their nets immediately because of the power of the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that you have that today. First thing that we looked at was just what, what, is our, what is our baptism? What does it mean? We had a great week thinking about that. Then we talked about what is communion? What is that all about? Why do we come together and eat bread and drink a cup? Why, what, what, what is it about our, our life? That is it us Christians being on a journey of self-improvement or is it actually just us finally discovering, sooner the better, that it's an exchange life, that we can't live for God? And he doesn't expect us to. What he expects us to do is be yielded to the Holy Spirit and let Christ live through us. It's the exchange life. As, as much as you were a sinner before, so now you are the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ. You have become the righteousness of God. You have received an inheritance, an opportunity. It's awesome. We looked last week at the power of prayer. If you weren't here last week, you can still watch online. I recommend that you do it. The, the, the role of the word of God in our lives. The power of the word of God in our lives. And then right after that, you want to go into prayer because we want to learn how to pray the word of God and the promises of God. They're so good. 
So you can only imagine this week as I was thinking about what on earth passage do I go to to talk about prayer? Because there's a gazillion of them. And when you think about it on top of that, when you think about um, prayer, we, you know, we could, we, we could go in the direction of the books that have complicated the issue, or we could come into the understanding that even a brand new believer can enter into the simplicity of prayer and do things way beyond others have ever imagined. I think that the Word of God would tell us to keep it simple today. And that's what I want to do, right? Just to keep it simple. So when you think about that, let's think about the stories of the disciples in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And let me just read this for you. While Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So the disciples were looking at Jesus, and they thought prayer is his source of power. Prayer is his connection to God. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation. Can an example of prayer get any simpler than that? He said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves because a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to serve him. And from inside, the man answers and says, don't bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you, even if the man will not get up and give him anything just because he is his friend, yet because of his shamelessness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. The man shamelessly knocked on his neighbor's door and said, I need bread in the middle of the night. And Jesus is trying us to lead. When it comes to the issue of prayer, it is not the issue of whether God's willing to do something for you. Because a lot of times people are like, I prayed, but this happened. Or I asked, and that happened. And Jesus says, I want you to know, the issue is not in the willingness of God. It's in our persistence in prayer. The man was shameless. In other words, he had taken his shame, and he had thrown it out. He refused to allow the shame, any shame, to keep him from having bold and confident access to God. That's an amazing truth right there. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, it will be open." Then Jesus goes on to say, now which one of you fathers will his son ask for a fish? And instead of a fish, he'll give him a snake. Or if his son would ask for an egg, would his father give him a scorpion? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I just invite the Lord's presence and anointing on his word today. I'm going to talk today about what is prayer. I'll tell you what prayer is. It's a conversation with God. Amen. Don't make it any more complicated than that. It's the ability to have a conversation with God. Oh, it's not just a one-way speech. It's a conversation with God. It's the ability to speak to the Lord and have the Holy Spirit speak back to you what is in the heart of God the Father. 
I want to ask ourselves today, because this sermon is not going to be rooted in guilt, I'm not going to approach you about prayer so that you can walk away and thinking, oh, I wish I prayed more. I wish I wasn't so um, unspiritual or whatever accusation you might make about yourself. I just want to challenge us today that Jesus presented prayer as one thing and one thing alone, a glorious privilege and opportunity to be able to speak to the Lord, the God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is within it. Be able to speak to the God of Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. If I were to put this verse right here where they come to the Lord and put it into a good context, I'd have to look at Luke chapter 10, the chapter right before. And listen to me. I know I'm speaking quickly right now, but listen to me as I talk about the context where a man comes to Jesus, representing the other disciples, and says, teach us, Jesus, how to pray. We need what you've got. We want the connection. In Luke chapter 10, the chapter before, find out what happened to these disciples before they asked how to pray. The Lord Jesus had appointed 20, I'm sorry, 72 others. 72 men were sent out in pairs ahead of Jesus to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. 72 men no understanding of what they were getting themselves into. Regular people, not trained in a Bible school. They didn't have the opportunity, you know, to be discipled for years. No, some men called out of obscurity with regular livelihoods who were interested in a man named Jesus because he could do miracles and signs and wonders and one day, he comes to them, inexperienced men, an intimidating scenario, and says, okay, 72, are you going to go out two by two? You're going to go out to the different cities, and you're going to be the front man. You're going to get there before I do. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. You're the whole momentum of this ministry. You're the one who can work the miracles. But Jesus says, no, you go. And I'm going to give you authority. No, wait a minute. These are brand new believers. It doesn't make any sense to send them out. But that's the excuse I think that many of us have created as pastors and churches. Not helping people to understand that the day you gave your life to Christ, something radical happened inside of you. A calling to purpose and to destiny. That begins not by virtue of who you are, but by the righteousness of the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been purified, set apart, and sanctified, and called by God. You're not saved and waiting for your call. When you got saved, you responded to the call. God called you, and you said, yes, you're in already. Okay? God is ready to use you, and he's ready to use you now. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus took this man, these men, 72 of them, and he cut them loose on their own. Scary stuff. Jesus mustn't have gone to some quality leadership seminar to be able to teach the people of how long it takes before a person could dare step out and begin to serve the Lord. But Jesus believed in them. But you know what the problem is? They were still trying to learn how to believe in themselves. And so when they saw the place that Jesus had put them, they were, at the end of the day, they were thinking, well, we better learn how to pray. They noticed that Jesus knew how to pray. And so they knew, Jesus, please teach us how to pray. 
Jesus gave them a very simple prayer. He said to them that it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. He sent them out like lambs among wolves. And yet he knew that his indwelling spirit would create within them something far greater than any challenge that they would ever face. And Jesus calls us as men and women who are born again of the Spirit of God to be men and women of prayer. As a matter of fact, our goal and our objective is this, to pray without ceasing. To pray through every day, to pray through every decision, to pray for opportunities, to pray for open doors, to be conscious that if God has called us to do anything, and yes, I am talking about the call of salvation, but I'm asking you also in your personal life, what has God called you to do right now? I'll tell you if, God's, if God has called you to do anything, then the world, the odds stacked against you through the world are greater than you. And the only way that you're going to accomplish it is by becoming a woman or a man of prayer and really seeking the Lord in all things. You say, oh, the great calling of God is a call to heaven so that we can go to heaven. I'll tell you, it's even better than that. It's a call to prayer. It's a call to praying and inviting the kingdom of God to come. Simple, simple, simple men. But what set them apart? Why did they do more than any church, it seems, can do in this day and age? It's because they were men and women of prayer. And they responded to Jesus. They knew how to get before the Lord because the master had taught them. But he didn't teach them a complexity. He taught them a simplicity, a very simple way to pray. Yes, we find in Matthew chapter 6, it sounds very similar to the prayer, but there's additional things in that prayer, but still very short. Little bit of nuance difference, no change in meaning, nothing's contradicting anything, which Jesus is teaching us when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, it's not to be repeated as though a, a, a rote way, a, a ritualistic way, but he's just giving a basic framework. He's saying, this prayer thing is so easy, and you can do it. These men called out of obscurity. The Bible says concerning you, if you are a believer and follower of Christ, you have been called. And in John chapter 15, let me read for you this scripture very quickly. Jesus said this to his disciples, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. That's so important for every believer to understand if you want an effective prayer life. You have to know without a doubt, I am already clean by the Lord Jesus Christ. Because every time you want to go to pray, there's a temptation. I better clean up if I'm going to have access to God. Now, I do know that re rebellion and direct resistance against God are in opposition to our prayers. But I, want to, I just want to say this, that Jesus had to go to his disciples to get one thing perfectly clear with them. You are already clean by the word that I have spoken unto you. Jesus had promised them forgiveness. They received the forgiveness of the Lord and they were already clean. If you're a brand new believer and you're looking at some seasoned Christian across the room and saying to yourself, I wish I was as clean as them. I wish I had as much access to the Father. Or maybe this, there's nothing wrong if you want to come to me for prayer. That's, that's um, my privilege and that's part of my role. That's part of Pam's role, Sal's role. We just ordained it. That's part of our role. But the bottom line is this, is that we are not cleaner than you. You are all clean by the word of the Lord Jesus Christ and the promise of God. You all have a bold and a confident access before God. I don't care if you got saved yesterday out of a ditch. You are already clean by the word that God has spoken unto you. 
you. You are wearing the righteousness of Christ. When you go before the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus, you are dressed in the same white, pure linen robes of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sees you that way. So Jesus had to get it straight. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. And then he says this, remain in me. So stay there. Stay there in the revelation that you are already clean. Remain in Jesus, he says. Remain in me, Jesus said, and I in you. In other words, you stay in him and his salvation, and you keep with the understanding that he is dwelling inside of you. When you pray, when you pray the word of God, when you pray according to the words of God, you understand this. It's just as good as Jesus praying through you. As a matter of fact, when you pray, God hears the voice of Jesus in your prayers. Jesus said this, just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself but must remain in the vine, in the same way that a branch has to be connected to the vine in order for the grapes to be produced, that's how you need to remain in me. You have to cling to me and you must never let go. As a matter of fact, a season of a branch being broken off from the vine, though it might be grafted in, that branch will suffer a great setback. That constant abiding in the awareness of Jesus Christ and in the word of God is essential to our growth and to our fruitfulness. In whatever God has called you to do, he's called you to be fruitful. He's not called you to fail. Amen. He's not called you as, you know, some dry run that's not going to work out. He desires your fruitfulness. He desires your success. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. If you fill yourself with the word of God, you can't have the words of Jesus remaining in you without your faith being strong. But he said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Oh, the Lord would just say this. Listen, the goal of prayer is, you know, some people say, well, that's just in a way to, you know, to adjust yourself. Well, a lot of self-adjustment happens during prayer. But the goal of prayer is fruitfulness and effectiveness and that the circumstances will change. It is not a religious ritual. It has an end, and that end is God saying, your prayer's being answered. Amen. That's the desire of the Lord. Because as we look at this passage right here, he said, you will ask, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Now go read your commentaries, and everybody will tell you, well, even commentators, why it doesn't always work. Ask and you will receive, he said. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. And then long commentaries, more paragraphs are written on why it doesn't work that often. And then a, a few paragraphs on how it should work. When Jesus said it's very simple. You remain in me and you keep me in you. And then he says, and you fill yourself with my word, you will get to the place of spiritual maturity. Did Jesus, the Son of God, did Jesus, the Son of God, have an ineffective prayer life? Absolutely not. And it is not your destiny as a brother of Jesus Christ, as a sister of Jesus Christ, and a joint heir with him, with the exact same father whose intention is to treat you the same way he treated his son. 
You will ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That is our goal and our objective. And of course, as a follower of the Lord, there are times that I've asked the Lord over the years for things. And yes, I didn't get it. But the Lord taught me a long time ago. When you ask for something and it doesn't happen, the, 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 the problem is not God's problem. The problem is I'm the one that needs to be worked on. The work belongs in me. I'm not going to shake my fist at God and say, God, why, 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 why? That'll get you nowhere. Because that is not the word of God remaining in you. Listen, we have got to get to the point where if we are filled with the word of God, it's got to change our words, it's got to change our language, even if you're talking to your wife or to your husband. The words you speak have got to change. The words that come out of your mouth must be the words of God and the promise of God. We do not dare allow ourselves to give place to the strategies of the enemy. We will speak the strategies of God in our lives, won't we? The strategies of the Lord and the word of God. Jesus said, my father has glorified this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Listen, your effective prayer life is the proof that you're a disciple. That's the proof. Oh, I feel like I've been called, you know, to some sense of martyrdom where everything I ask God for, just everything goes south. No, no, by the, by, by the effectiveness of your prayer life, by, by you asking for things and God answering your prayers, Jesus, and your fruitfulness, a fruitful prayer life, God says that, Jesus said, that glorifies God the Father. When the world's watching us and they're watching us pray and they're watching us seeking God, you know, and then nothing happens, God is not glorified in that. But the problem is, is that we have become tolerant of ineffective prayers. And then we have surrounded them with theologies that say, well, maybe God didn't want that. But I'm telling you, I believe that we should pray and get a yes or a no. Amen. But he's our father. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father. What kind of father lives in a house? And his son comes and says, Dad, what about this? Dad's just reading the newspaper. Dad, can I go here? Dad doesn't even give him eye contact. Dad, is this good for me to have? No communication. Jesus made it so simple. Your God is your father. What kind of father just leaves you in the dark? Oh, listen, I know that there are seasons of faith and trusting the Lord. There might be a season where, the, where, where you, have to, you have to press in and the answer doesn't come right away. But I'm telling you this. The Apostle Paul said, I asked God something, for something three times. He said, there was a spiritual power that would beat me up everywhere I go. It would buffet me. And you look, you read the life of Paul. Everywhere he went, beat up. He, he, he was called to a level of ministry that... There were spiritual, he said, there were thorns in my flesh. He'd go up and get thrown to wild animals. He'd get stoned. He, he would get thrown into prison. He'd get rejected by the saints. He would build up a church and establish it and leave town, and everybody would trash him, and the whole church would turn against him. And he's like, everywhere I go, there's a messenger from Satan, and he beats me up. And he says, God, would you deliver me from this? He had asked the Lord the first time. He didn't get an answer. But you know what? The Apostle Paul knew the teachings of Jesus. No answer is not the fate of a believer. So he asked him a second time. Still didn't go away. He asked a third time. And then the Lord spoke. 
And the Lord spoke to him and said, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. And you're going to discover that through your weakness, through your beatings, through your imprisonments, through your stonings, you're going to find that my strength is made perfect in you. So Paul knew that he was called to follow a journey that his Savior himself walked of being rejected everywhere he went. Imagine that. But I'm going to tell you what, he prayed until he got an answer. And I believe that that's what we need to do. Because I, I really do believe that we've made, we've made excuses for ineffectiveness. And God's got more for us. Jesus goes on to say in John chapter 15, My words remain in you. My Father's glorified if you bear fruit and prove to be my disciples. He says, you are my friends. When you pray, you're praying to a friend. Friends talk with you. They don't leave you in the dark. I want to ne learn new levels of ability to hear from God. Ability to know his voice. Ability to quiet out this world that's shouting against me and opposing me and what God's asked me to do. I want to be able to live in the realm of the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty God so that I can understand that my life is meant to be defined the way Jesus' life was defined. And he said, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. And I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. That's connectedness. That's fruitfulness. That is a prayer life. That's why the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, I've called you friends. Because all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus is saying, I'm not in a, a quiet relationship with you. I'm not going to ice you. You're not going to be sitting in your living room talking to me and at the end of it and say, where are you, God? Because Jesus said, this is why I came, to speak everything to you that the Father tells me. Jesus says, I come to talk to you. Yes. You didn't choose me, I chose you. Yes. Don't feel like I'm some, you're some burden that I have to deal with now because some Sunday you prayed the prayer to receive me as your Savior. Get out of the mindset you chose me. You didn't choose me. You're not a burden. You're, you're, you're not an inconvenience to me. I called you. I called you to prayer. Oh, we have so many reasons, and we tell ourselves, I don't have the right to pray, but God's saying, I'm called you to pray. You did not choose me. I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Yes. So suddenly now these men, these 72 men had an opportunity to live for God. Sure, almost all of us came to Christ because we were aware of our sin, and that we needed God and we needed a Savior. But when we, the sooner we understand and when we come to growing up in the Lord, we realize that we were called to do the work of Jesus Christ. We've been called to a place that's exciting. It's intimidating. It's stressing. It calls us to our knees. It causes us sometimes to wrestle in the middle of the night. It causes us to do business with God. We're, we're asked to do things beyond our own abilities and our own powers, and yet we wouldn't trade it for anything because now our lives are filled with wonder. 
Our, we, have, we have tapped into the unknown, the mystery of the universe, and discovered that the mystery is God. So after the, the 72 were sent out, they returned back to Jesus, and it says they returned with joy. God wants your life to be filled with joy. Not, I'm not saying convenience. I'm not saying with, 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 um, with all the wealth that you had longed for or maybe opportunities you expected, but I'm talking about true joy. They came back to Jesus and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Lord, we're amazed. We're amazed what happened. There were spiritual powers that came against us, and suddenly they're fleeing. Jesus, uh, one guy could say, I was just a fisherman last week. Another, I was just a carpenter last week. Another, I was just a farmer last week. But we go out. We took you with your word. We took the risk. We went out, and demons are coming out of people, people that were held captive for years. I'm brand new to all of this, and yet dom dominations over people's lives are being broken in a moment. Because they were given authority by Jesus Christ. Every believer has been given the authority yes. to pray from heaven and from the power of heaven. And Jesus said this to them. They said, demons are coming out. And Jesus said, I saw it. I saw fall, Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Brand new believers. I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Why? Why were these newbies allowed to do something that people that have been in the church for their whole lives not able to do? It's because they took Jesus at his word. He said, you're already clean by the words that I have spoken unto you. And they took the risk. And they paid a price. They paid the price of possible rejection, of failure, or whatever. But all of that was irrelevant. They wanted to walk in the destiny of God. And Jesus told them, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions. Of course, those aren't the literal ones. Those are those spiritual demonic powers and principalities and the oppositions against Jesus and against you. Jesus says, you're going to walk on top of them. You're going to walk in authority, power, dominion of those who try to hinder you from doing what the Father has asked you to do. Jesus says, you have authority over all the power of the enemy, not some of the power of the enemy enemy, all the power of the enemy. When you came to Christ, from the first day that you came to Jesus until you've lived your hundredth year on this earth, it is just the same for both. You, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so what happened? God, Jesus says, you have power over all the enemy and nothing will in, injure you. Do you realize that if we get on board with God, do we realize that if we're praying the promises of God and walking in the fullness of God, nothing will have authority over us to injure us. We will walk in the authority of Christ. And if there should be a call to anything such as martyrdom or like Jesus to the cross, it will still come only because our loving Heavenly Father has allowed that thing to happen. 
And Jesus says, but don't rejoice in this. Don't rejoice that suddenly you're powerful. Please don't go out and immediately write a book and tell everybody about how you learned about the seven steps of prayer. He says to them, no, keep it simple. Just rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Jesus said all authority, all power, all miracles, all signs and wonders are only rooted in one thing, not because you become a better Christian, but because your name is written in the book of life. When you're name is written in heaven, you get all that God has for you. And you keep it there. But Jesus says at this time, Jesus began to rejoice greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent, and you revealed them to infants. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus said, I'm just rejoicing, God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, because when Satan was falling out of heaven, that God, you know who did it? wasn't the spiritual leaders in the temple. It wasn't the people who had been to Bible school. It wasn't all that. Jesus says, you know who did this, Father? Infants. Brand new Christians, if you want to call them that. Newborns. Newborns who just took God at his word. Thank you, God. We might be thinking that God's looking for something better. Uh, God's looking for something simpler. You, received the, you, you revealed it to infants. For Father, by so doing, this was well-pleasing in your sight. And then Jesus said, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son determines to reveal him. So Jesus just says this. Listen, there's only one who really knows what the Father is like. And that's the Son of God, Jesus himself. And he says, there's only one who really knows what the Son of God is like, and that's the Father. And then he says this, except for those who it is according to the will of God that they would receive the revelation of who the Father and who the Son is, Jesus. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive the revelation. You walk in Revelation, you live in Revelation, you pray Revelation. That's all you do. You know the Father, you know the Son, you've been called into a relationship, and you have an opportunity to have the Father revealed to you through Jesus Christ. Turning to the disciples, he said privately this to, to them, Blessed are the eyes that see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see the things that you see and did not see them, and to hear the things that you hear and did not hear them. So Jesus then turns to the infants and said to them, Do you realize, newborn, do you realize newborn spiritual beings? You've pressed into God the Father and that you're seeing things that even kings weren't able to see. You're hearing things that prophets couldn't hear. No wonder Jesus was so happy. Because people who thought they were inadequate, less than, filled with shame or whatever it might be, or just insecurity, were suddenly realizing all you need to do is to receive Jesus Christ who will bring to you the revelation of God the Father. Learn to abide in him, live in him, let him live in you. Pray without ceasing. And Jesus had said, your eyes will see things that great men wanted to see. And you'll hear things that great men and women wanted to hear as well.
So Jesus just gives them a simple prayer, telling them to acknowledge God as their father. Obviously, I ran out of time. <laughs> Here's what I want you to know today. Um, don't be fancy. Just press in. It has nothing to do with whether you, who you know, how well connected you are in the church or whatever it might be, you know. We, we ordain two people today. It's not a class distinction. It's nothing to do with that. Just recognizing that's their place of calling, but you have a place of calling. I want to call you to come into the fullness of the communication and prayer that God the Father has for you with him and he with you. I want your eyes to see things that kings wanted to see and your ears to hear things that prophets wanted to hear. Let's all stand up this morning. Father God, I just thank you, O oh Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit, for the power of the Word of God, for the power of prayer, for the power of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would cause us to take prayer out of the realm of theology and theory and that you would bring us into true communication with you, Father. Holy is your name, your sacred set apart. Thank you, Lord. Raise the people of this church up to be a praying people. Yes. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And listen, we did a lot of family, family things here today. It's a little longer than, than normal. But just bear with me for one moment because maybe someone here never met Jesus as their Savior. And I just want to ask a simple question. Do you know without a doubt, I'm not asking if you were baptized or you wear the label of Christian or raise a Christian. I'm asking, have you been born again by Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God? Are you saved? Are you set free from the power of sin? If you're here and you've never met Jesus as your Savior, I'm just quickly going to ask you to respond in two ways. First off, if you want to acknowledge Pastor Jim, I want to be included in the closing prayer, giving my heart to Jesus, that today I would be saved. And secondly, if you do that, I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat and come forward. And we're going to receive you into the family of God. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. So very quickly, if you need Jesus, would you lift up your hand saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved today. I want to become a child of God. You'll feel the tug on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. Just very quickly. If you need Jesus, lift up your hand. Just saying, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved today. God, I thank you for the grace of the Lord, for the peace of Christ. Let it abide upon every home. I declare the health and the healing of the Lord over your household, the protection of your dwelling place. I pray that everything that's in your care would, would come under the protection of the Lord. I pray for your, your livelihood. I pray that God would provide for you supernaturally, and also through the hands of favor of others. I pray that the Lord would be your protection when you go out of your house and when you come back home. May the Lord surround you with his angels. May the joy of the Lord be your strength and God give you peace in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, 
you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.